and um, I finally got there. And now I'm trying to get this thing working. Okay, good to see you all this morning, and particularly want to welcome you if you're on Zoom. And uh, it's great to see you all if I haven't met you uh, before. My name is Matt, my privilege to speak this morning. And we're going to be continuing in our series in 1 Corinthians. So if you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, um, we're going to be reading from... No, chapter 5, actually, aren't we? No, 6. My notes have all gone weird. Chapter 6, 12 to 20. Would you like to come up? Johnny, he's going to read to us from the Bible this morning. Where's the microphone? Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. So we're reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 to 20. So I'm reading from uh, NIV. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by, my, by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us, raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were brought at a price. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Let's bow our head. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you are allowing us again to actually come in front of you. We humble ourselves in front of you so that we are receiving your word. We know that this is grace that actually you have brought us with a great pride that Jesus on the cross. Now we humble ourselves in front of you, no matter we're in this building or in Zoom. May he, when he's giving, may he giving his like a preaching, and pray that the word will actually come to our heart. The Holy Spirit would use the word to convict us, to comfort us, to urge us, to teach us. And may we not just only listen, but we also obey. Mm. I pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Johnny. So another challenging passage leading on from what Jem was speaking on last week. This is, uh, this is not an entertaining passage. This is not necessarily going to be a fun sermon this morning. This is challenging stuff. And uh, we, we live in a world, we need to hear this message, don't we? Amen? We hear this message. 
And when we read the Bible, as I trust we all do, devoted to it as best we can, um, it's, it's good to ask, because there are lots of things maybe in here. This microphone, does it sound a bit cutting to you? Does it sound, um, just maybe work on that. It's great, thanks. Um, is to ask the question, what does this generally mean? What's the author's purpose? It's so important that we read the context. Look at what the passage is saying. What does Paul, why is Paul writing this? What's it about? And generally speaking, what you do is you read the chapter, read the passage, and just ask yourself, because there's lots of things in here that you may find difficult to understand, as there often is in passages of Scripture. And sometimes we can get so caught up in the things we don't understand that we miss what we can easily understand. And if you read this, just read it, you would see what Paul is teaching is that Christians, if you have received Jesus as Lord... You belong to him. We belong to him. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. We love him. We serve him. So don't have sex with prostitutes. There you are. That's what he's saying. And more broadly, sexual immorality. Don't get involved with it because it's not God's will. It's that simple. I don't know how the church finds it so complicated to understand such simple, straightforward things as what the Word of God is teaching us here. Very clearly, very plainly, we're not to be involved in sexual immorality because we belong to Jesus. We are the bride of Christ. We're married to Christ. You may be single this morning. You may be married. But even if you are married, you know your marriage is a picture of your greater marriage, which is Jesus. And if you're single, you are married to Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And so therefore, sexual immorality, which is all forms of sex outside of heterosexual marriage, as Paul has been teaching through this, these verses, all forms of sexual immorality is spiritual adultery. And this sounds really like hard, and, and it is hard, but let me, let me just point it the other way around and say this is a wonderful privilege that we get to enjoy, as it says here, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When so many people are chasing around looking for validity and meaning and joy and, and value in sexual relationships and missing the deeper, wonderful joy that can be had by knowing the presence of God with us and the joy of knowing God and knowing his love, which is greater than any relationship in this life and obviously in eternity, that great vision of knowing God forever. And that's the joy of being a Christian. We can walk with God. Why would we want to go and commit spiritual adultery? Why would we want to go, go off and... and, and, and Go against this wonderful Savior who loves us so much when we can enjoy his presence. Let's think about Corinth was a cesspit of sexual immorality, just like London is, and much of the United Kingdom and the West, and prostitution was rife as it is even now. Uh, 
All forms of sexual promiscuity were seen as normal. It was normal to have mistresses and, uh, and prostitutes. It was seen as normal in your marriage that your wife maybe bore your children, but you went out and had sexual pleasure in other places. That was the normal culture, and Paul is coming against that culture. Not, he's not talking to non-Christians here, let's remember that. Paul is talking to the church. The world will do what it does. It will do what they do. The world will do what it does. And we love them. And we're kind and caring. But the church, if you've chosen to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, follows the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a king, the kingdom of we are within the kingdom of God, which is in this world, but not of this world. We're in the kingdom of God. We are citizens of the United Kingdom, any of us, not all of us. But your principal citizenship is in heaven, not in this world. And of course, we're looking to love people and help to bring them into the kingdom of God. But remember, the values outside the church won't always match up with the values inside the church. And that's something that we've got to live with and be kind and patient and loving to people. But this is a strong message to the church that if you're wanting to follow the Lord Jesus, you don't have to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to. But if you are following him, this is his word. And he wants to tell us that it's good for you and it's for his glory that you don't commit sexual immorality. Particularly with prostitution, because that was the issue they were particularly facing with. And, that may, and I've known Christians who, who struggle with prostitution. And let's remember, prostitution has become a whole lot more complicated. You can pay for sex online, can't you? You can pay to view images of people online, which is surely equivalent to prostitution. As we enter this new world, the, the, the digital age, the information age, we are going to face all sorts of issues, massive issues, around kinds of prostitution. So as we see the new metaverse coming in and into reality, where do you think that's going? They're not saying it, but you know where it's going for a lot of people, don't you? It's going into sexual, a sexual kind of life which can live out their fantasies. And many of you will be tempted by that, and particularly our children will be tempted by this, and maybe our grandchildren. It's going to be a massive issue. And many of you are saying, oh no, it won't catch on. We will be living in a digital world in a few years. And if you're a parent, please make sure you know what your children are doing when they're in behind that face mask. Because it's going to be rife. Because it makes so much money. And so prostitution is not something in the past. It's present and it's going to become much more complicated. And it's addictive. Sexual, all sin. It says here, everything is, I can do anything you say. And this is what the, uh, 
the Corinthians were saying. I can do anything. I'm saved by grace. Hey, Jesus forgives me. I can do anything. He says here, but not everything is beneficial. I can do anything, but you're not, I'll not be mastered by anything. Paul is, Paul is coming against that ridiculous kind of idea that because you're saved by grace, you can sin and do whatever you want. Why would you want to do that? That's like saying, I love someone and I want to hurt them at the same time. Why would you do that? Why would we want to sin against and offend the person that we love, who is Jesus Christ? We wouldn't want to offend our close friends. We wouldn't, why would we want to offend our Lord and Saviour, which is what sexual promiscuity is about and all sin is about. But, you see, I will not be mastered by anything. You will be mastered by sexual immorality if we indulge in it. We're all mastered, you know, all, I'm sure most of us are tempted by this whole realm, aren't we? Like, it's, it's a powerful thing. It's a natural appetite, something that we, most of us struggle with to varying degrees. I'm sure some of you in the room are struggling with same-sex attraction. I'm, so, I'm sure some of you are struggling with all kind of adulterous thoughts and lustful... I mean, you, we are human beings. We do struggle. We are still in the flesh, in this body, But the more you sow to that, the more you throw fuel on the fire, the more mastered by it we become. And so this is an encouragement to us that God wants us, Jesus wants us to be free, to enjoy good relationships. And he doesn't want us to be, uh, he talks about purity within the church, treating one another as brothers and sisters and older women as mothers and older uh, men as fathers. And that's the purity and the kind of goodness of the kingdom of God. And, and as we indulge in these things, we become mastered by them. It's an addiction that all of us are, can fall into. So you are not your own. You were bought at a price. You are not your own, says Paul. I'm sure we will all understand that when people maybe join the army or something, you would say, I'm not my own. Suddenly, I've got to obey my superior officers. Maybe when you start a job, suddenly you've got to keep the company ethos and you've got to do the company thing. You're not your own in some senses. Marriage is a, is a big one here. And it's kind of summated here, the idea of sexual, sexual union. When you get married, you're not your own anymore. You, will, you belong to one another and your whole identity changes. And the Corinthians were living like, yes, I am my own. I'm my own. I belong to myself. I still belong to myself. They're missing the point. You, we're not our own anymore. We've been, we've been bought by Jesus Christ. You're not your own. I have the right to do anything, they say. I still belong to myself. Well, as Christians, we're saying, aren't we, that Lord's prayer idea, your kingdom come, your will be done. Let's say it together. Your kingdom come, your will be done. 
Yeah? And that's got to become specific. What does that mean? And if we're ignorant of God's word, it doesn't become specific. It all sounds very nice, doesn't it? Liturgical language. But your kingdom come means specifically in this realm, I will follow your design of what sex is and where sex is to be used in a healthy fashion. That's what your kingdom come means in this realm. You were bought at a price. So you're not your own, says Paul. You, don't, you, you, are, you are now God's people. But how has that come about? He says here, you were bought at a price. Bought at a price. You were redeemed by Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus Christ is what it cost for you now to belong to God. He bought you. And, and what I found really quite interesting about this passage, it talks a lot about these two ideas. Sexual immorality, pornea is the word, and the body. It talks a lot about the body, those two ideas, body and sexual immorality, body, body. And often we tend to think about, well, I don't know about you, you think about Christianity, you think it's about my spirit and God. But it's interesting is that this passage is saying that your body was purchased by Jesus Christ. Your body, not just your spirit. Your body is precious to God. The Corinthians were acting like their body, it didn't matter what you did to you with your body, because it's going to die and disappear, and what's important is the, is the spirit. And it's kind of a Gnostic idea which is developing, which doesn't really matter what that means, but it means that the body's not important. Was Jesus' body bought your body? Which means, as Paul says here, that your body will be resurrected in the future. It's precious to God. So what you do with it is important. Your body is precious. And we should treat it as such as well. We may not like our bodies as much as we would like, but they are precious to God. He's paid for it. And what we do with it is therefore to honor him. You were bought at a price. It says in 1 Peter, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Jesus has, you are not your own, you are bought at a price. You are bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. He was purchasing you. Every part of you now belongs to Jesus Christ eternally. You cannot be stolen from him. You cannot be taken out of his hand. You belong to him. You are precious to him. Your mind, your spirit, every part of you. And for eternity, you're going to live with God. And when he comes again, your body is going to be raised up and renewed and restored and reunited with your spirit in new heavens and a new earth. That's the destiny that you have. 
our bodies. We are precious to God. You've been bought at a price. We're the bride of Christ. just want to use this illustration because I think it's helpful for what we're talking about here. Because when we commit sin, particularly the idea of sexual sin, we're committing sexual adultery against our God. And if you've experienced sexual adultery against you, you know how painful that is. And may I also say, if you have committed it, you know how painful it is. And the fallout that comes from that. It's no small thing. And I want to link that up with the idea of God's heart. When we, his bride, whom he's purchased, whose body, our bodies he loves, that when we take those bodies that he's purchased and belong to him and we do such vile things, it hurts, it grieves him immensely as it would you. So sexual sin is a heart issue. It's, it's understanding, it's hurting, and heart, heart, it's against God. And we who love God should surely not want to hurt and offend him. So let me read Ephesians 5. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So get this idea of the church is the bride of Christ and he loves us. And it says here, and gave himself up for her. He gave himself up for her. We've been bought, purchased. We're not our own. We've been bought by the blood of Christ. Therefore, therefore, honor God with your body. Honor God with your body because you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. You're the bride of Christ. You're precious to him. You're loved by him. And you love him. Honor God with your body. That mean, I mean, that, that, surely that's broad. You know, what, in every aspect of our lives, honor God with your body. But specifically, what it's talking about in this context is particularly prostitution. That means paying for sexual pleasure with someone who, you know. But also all forms of sexual immorality. But surely it also means honour God with your body in, all, in, in every respect. How can I honour God with my body? I love those words. It says in Ephesians, carried over from the Old Testament, honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Honouring your father and mother is about presenting yourself to the world in a way that honours the name of your family. That's part of it. You honour your father and mother by how you conduct yourself. If you're a thief, that dishonours your father and mother. If you're outraged all the time and angry and bitter and blame, blah, 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 you're dishonoring your father and mother. How you behave honors your father and mother. And this is particularly true in this, isn't it? How we live in the body honors our heavenly father or dishonors him. And sexual immorality dishonors our heavenly father. 
and we're the brides. We've been bought with a price. Honor God with your body. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. Verse 13. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. You see this idea that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. He's living in us. And that somehow, when we commit sexual immorality, we are dragging Christ into it. That's just appalling, isn't it? It's just appalling. We're dragging the Holy Spirit, we're dragging God into our sin. And we need to bear that in mind. So flee then from sexual immorality is the, is, is, is the response. Flee sexual immorality. I have the... Uh, the Corinthians were saying, I have the right to do what I want. That is changed into, I want to do what pleases the Lord. It says here, food for the stomach and stomach for the food, for food and each will be destroyed. Now, what, what, what does that mean? What Paul is saying is he's, he's liking the sexual appetite to the food appetite. And we can say something like this, I have appetite for food, therefore it's right that I eat food. And they were saying, I have appetite for sex with prostitutes, therefore it's right that I have sex with prostitutes. I have appetite for this kind of sex, so that kind of sex is okay. I have appetite for this kind of sex, I have that kind of sex is okay. And Paul is confronting that and saying, no, just because you have an appetite for that kind of sex and that kind of sex, it doesn't make it okay. Rather, pleasing the Lord. We bring that all under. We bring our appetites for sex. He's not talking about food. He's talking about the idea. That's an illustration. We bring our appetites for sex under the Lordship of Christ for our joy and freedom and flourishing, not for our Repression and damage, which is the lie that the world will tell you. Health in a culture does not come from giving in to every sexual appetite that you have. It does not. Health and flourishing for a society, particularly for church, because this is particularly what we're talking about, comes as we submit our sexual appetites under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Flee sexual immorality. Flee it. How do we do that? I think we must, we, 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 we must be careful... I mean, I've said that I say this a lot, but it's it's prevalent, isn't it? And I I struggle with this. I don't know. I I'm not one of these people. I, I hold back from giving sort of draconian answers, like no one should have a television, you know that kind of thing, or no one should go on the internet, or no one should listen to secular music, and no one should. You know, that's where churches can go. 
And it always ends up in hypocrisy and, and a, a divisiveness. All I can say to you is this. What we watch and what we entertain ourselves with will change your heart and will um, inure you or give you thick skin towards particular behaviours. So if we constantly expose ourselves to entertainment, which is sexual immorality, the danger is that you will no longer be shocked by sexual immorality and the danger is that you yourself will give ground more and more and more and more in your thinking and maybe even in your behaviour. We are affected by what we are entertained by. If it's violence, we become more violent. If it's sexual immorality, we become more sexually immoral. So let's be careful what we are watching and what we're entertaining ourselves with. I, I, I can't give you how much what to watch, particular programs. I cannot tell you, and it's not always wise to give you great examples or whatever. Just guard your heart and guard yourself. That's all I can say. Maybe you're thinking I'm being a coward. Well, sorry. But um, when you start saying things like, don't watch television, don't do this, don't do that, it doesn't work. Listen to the Holy Spirit. God wants you to be absolutely pure. So what does that mean you do regarding your entertainment? It's not an easy one to, to solve. I understand that. Flee. So therefore, when you find something stimulating that you are watching, flee. Surely it means that, doesn't it? When you're with someone who's not your wife or a relationship you know is not right and you feel yourself being attracted, flee. Be polite. Flee. We are all susceptible. We are all weak. And you know friends, I know friends, have fallen into sexual sin. And I'm sure we've all fallen into it in our minds, haven't we? Which is also sexual sin, isn't it? It says here, let the bands come up now. It says here that, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not just fleeing away from things. Let's flee toward the right things. So fleeing toward the right things is whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think about such things. And if we give our lives to positive things, trust me, you won't have enough time to fill your life with positive things. Couldn't we serve each other by sending each other encouraging messages rather than wasting our time on rubbish entertainment? Couldn't we spend a bit more time in personal prayer rather than wasting our time? Couldn't you pick up, put, put on a nice a worship album and sing to the Lord Jesus Christ? Filling, it's a positive thing. A vacuum needs to be filled. Fill your life with good things. 
Not just fleeing away from sexual immorality. And if you are married, hey, how can we invest in that so that it can be the best that it can be? Don't just flee away from stuff. Flee towards what is good. If you're single, flee towards your friendships. Flee towards being with people who would encourage you. So thanks for listening. God wants, God loves you. You're you're his bride, you know. He gave himself for you. He wants what's best for you. He says these things because he's kind. He wants you to flourish. So let's, you're not your own. You're bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Let's worship him.